Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of Chip Chap presented by Chip Magnet Salsa. So excited to have this podcast, a great opportunity to learn a little bit more about some of the great small businesses in the Chippewa Valley. And again, hosted by the fine folks at Chip Magnet Salsa, one of the best small businesses in the Chippewa Valley. And we've got Jim from Chip Magnet Salsa with us today. He's a representing the business if you will and jim you've got guests galore today don't you oh it's not really guests galore scott it's we got nick Chenoweth with us you know our national sales manager he's with us as always today's special guest though bob adrian the man the myth the legend the guy that created rumps the meat man of the chippewa valley he really is you know here's my backstory with rumps all of a sudden there's this new meat place in town, and it was, everybody's talking about it. You got to go to Rumps. 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 Do you remember that? It was, there was such a buzz around that business when you first opened it. Why don't we take a step back? Why did you open? Did you have a meat background? Um, I've always been in the food industry for, you know, I started off working in a restaurant like when I was in high school, and then... You know, I was in the military and did some other things, and then I, um, we always had made sausage at home since I was a teenager. And then I started doing this other business that's, uh, they call it a commodity trader in the food business, where I deal in what's mostly called distressed food. So it's either short-dated, it's a closeout, it's off-spec for somebody, um, you know, dented cans of tomatoes or something. Nothing's wrong with the product, but the cans are dented, right. you know, that type of thing. So I had, you know, about a 20-year background in the food industry on some different levels. And I just, I got the idea to open a store of some sort. And at first I was l looking at doing like a discount type store. Right. Cause I was in that industry buying those, you yeah. know, those types of products. And then, but then I started thinking, well, that's a lot of chasing to try to make sure your, sh you know, your shelves are full every week because people aren't making product to sell it, you know, for, a huge discount every week so no, and you're getting a truckload of one item so right. how do you keep your shelves full with all the stuff you need then exactly yeah i can see that so then i'm like well maybe i should go another direction well i did a little bit of tournament fishing back in the day and the guy i fished with was buddies with dan holliker who is my main guy at the shop and i got introduced to him and knew that he was doing butchering stuff and you know had a few beers whatever didn't really talk about it I don't know, several months later, I was up at Bracket Bar, and he <laughs> lives right next to there, and we just struck up a conversation, and that's how it all started, and I just ended up, you know, he gave me a little bit of information, he said what he, you know, where he was working at the time, and what he was doing, and, and then I'm like, well, maybe I should look into this a little more, and so then I kind of started looking, um, on, uh, Kara from, uh, who has Girl Friday now, uh, her and I used to be together and she was a realtor at the time and she had seen that the barbershop down there next to the butcher shop was for sale. And I, so I went down there to check it out and seen it that the building was too small, but next door there was just a homemade sign in the window that said for sale. Oh. So I called the guy, he's met him down there, called Dan, said, Hey, come down. And it was like three days later. And he's like, man, you weren't screwing around, were you? <laughs> and I'm like, no. And he's like, you were serious. And I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm serious. Yeah. And I'm like, and the building was, you know, really rough, you know, built in the 40s and 
you know, and then it was piled full of stuff and it was really bad. And I, and I could see the look on his face and I'm like, don't, don't look at that part. Like, look at the size. Like, is this big enough? Do you think to do what we need to do? And he's like, yeah. And then I just said, are you a hundred percent in if I do it? I said, cause then I'm going to make a move to try to buy the building and we'll see what happens. And, uh, again, he was like, I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe, like, you're, you know, and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Well, you're sitting in a bar. You're writing out your business plan on a napkin. Yeah. And he's like, wait a minute. You're, yeah. re- you're really going with this? Yeah, is this guy serious? <laughs> so then I made one more call back to my fishing partner, and I'm like, hey, is this guy, like, is it? Because I didn't know. I mean, I met him one time. Yeah. And I'm like, is this guy legit? You know, like, is he a good guy? And, and my buddy there is who I'd known for years and years. He's like, yeah. He's like, he's a really solid guy, really good guy, really good at what he does. And so then – Made off on the building, got it, and then uh, then that started the whole thing. And that was an 18, 18 month process from there, from the renovating of the building, and then uh, working out all of our formulas and our recipes and stuff. Because even though, you know, like we had been making stuff at home for year, you know, since I was fifteen, and Dan had, you know, grew up, you know, farming and making sausage and all that, and then also worked in the industry for. 20 years we kind of made the decision we weren't going to go with anything that we we already had we were going to start over from scratch with a with a professional from a seasoning company and we were going to go from there so then uh they would send a seasoning and me and my stepdad had a little shop set up up in rice lake by hogging Mm -hmm. and you know old refrigerator smoker and (laughs) we had saved our venison from the year before dan dan included and then uh that's what we experimented on all of our batches with was with venison and uh the seasoning company would send us some seasonings we would dan and i would run up there for the weekend we'd work like animals all weekend grinding and smoke and that little operation you know <laughs> and then we'd try it and we'd be like ah you know that ain't quite it That's you know not the one. and then we'd call back to the season you know and then in between that we were working on the building and then we actually traveled around minnesota wisconsin and illinois to all these auctions and it was mostly like big grocery stores going out of business and we were buying equipment, purchasing equipment yep. and stopping in at other shops that I had researched online and, uh-huh. and go in. And that's one thing about this industry is not one single shop in any of those states ever turned up their nose at us. Every one of them welcomed us in. What do you need? Gave us all their brochures, like on their packages or, the, you know, anything they were doing. I mean, unbelievable amount of support, you know, That's from cool. these other shops. Like, really they didn't cool. look at anybody as competition. You know, even Mike on the west side here, he helped us get our HACCP plan started in the beginning because Dan, neither Dan and I really knew enough about it to do it. And he graciously let Dan come over and they spent a couple hours over there with Dan showing him. And we still, we run out of things or whatever. We, you know, trade stuff back and forth. We just don't look at each other as competition you know that's excellent i I guess i didn't realize that that you guys didn't really feel like you were competing with each other no who's your competition then i mean for us because of how our retail is and everything i would say our real direct competition would be festival foods because they're a higher end grocery store with full service meat case and everything um and then really that's it because the rest of us small guys all kind of just have our own little niche you know and you know, there's 150,000 people or whatever in Chippewa and Eau Claire County to pull from. So, you know, three, four little shops to, to you know, you can't 
you know, Woodman's has like 8,000 customers a day or whatever. Festival is like four or 5,000. I mean, we couldn't get that through our building if you know no. we wanted to, you know. So, you know, we're looking at a niche. A and niche nor 75% of those customers wouldn't want to pay your price because your meat is better. Specialty. Yeah. yeah. And, and you'd be surprised, though, that um, when, like, when the whole COVID thing happened um, and then stores, like we were talking, you know, off air before that there was, like, aka shortages or whatever it was really supply chain issues and then the grocery stores started putting limits like you could only get two steaks yep you know you want the festival you could get two steaks so then those customers a family of three or four is like hey i want to have steak tonight yeah you can't, can't even get four steaks so then even though we'd been open for six years they'd never even been there because they per, you know preconceived notions that you know we're expensive or we're you know too far off the beaten path or whatever so then all of a sudden they didn't have a lot of choice because like, hey, I, I want to get something good, but they're not letting me at my normal place. <laughs> so then they started coming over and then they started realizing that on a lot of things, we actually are cheaper <laughs> and, you know, and a better quality. And then the customer service is great. And then and, and nothing against Festival because I think they, they run a, a, a great grocery store uh, business for sure. And um, so now we've retained a lot of those customers, That's they, awesome. they just, they, they stayed, they, they came, they went, Hey, this is good. We like it. And you know, and I'm sure you've realized service wins service wins. And if, I, I mean, I walk into rums and there's somebody standing at that counter. What can I get for you? It, it service wins these days. Yeah. And, and, uh, the reality of that is, is like, even when I was looking at hiring people, I wasn't searching out like meat cutters and whatever. I mean, half of my original crew was like kitchen guys. Yeah. Because part of our, I think part of our um, success is that when a customer does come in and they, they may see cuts in our case that they don't see at a grocery store, you know, like a pecana or skirt steaks or, you know, brisket flats or, you know, different things that they just might not see. And, they have no idea how to cook it or prepare it because they've never dealt with it. And then now I've got, you know, six guys that can go this way, this way, or this way. You know, you can have three different answers and they're all right. And they're, you know, they're all different, but they're all right, you know, depending on what you want. And now you got a customer that's like, oh my God, I'm going to Google that. That sounds great. And they learn. And it, yep. it's a great thing. So going back to when you first started out, uh, coming from the whole side, wholesale side of things, was there a learning curve going into retail? Yeah, and I mean, and I had a huge advantage with with Dan as my main guy because he had he had worked at the grocery store level for ten years, and then at a butcher shop uh, level for ten years. So he was really, really good as far as projecting, so that you had the right amount of products, you know. And obviously, some things we were like, you know, blown away by. Like we didn't know we were going to sell that many because, like, in his previous places, they didn't sell that volume of a certain thing. Cheese curds was one, like. <laughs> We, we, you know, sell Legrander's cheese curds. And so right when we first opened, I went and I got like 60 pounds of cheese, you know, drive all the way over there. <laughs> it's like 45 minute drive back. Cause he's like, well, I don't know. He's like, so we sell that in like half a day. Oh, and, and I'm like, so I call over there and I'm like, I go back and I get like 90 pounds. And then, you know, and we're getting pretty bombarded because, you know, we're brand new, you know, and. So then we sell all those. And then I, I look at Dan and I go, hey, like, what the hell? I'm like, how many? Like, I thought you knew I, what you I, were doing. I'm like, I can't, 
I can't keep driving back and forth to get cheese curds every day. I'm like, how many did you sell, you know, at your last place? And he's like, well, we already sold more in two days here than we did like in two months there. He's like, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know how many to get. Well, you know, now fast forward six years later or whatever, you know, we kind of know, you know, and some we know if there's a holiday or there's that, you know, I better get 240 pounds this time or better get this many, you know. It's pretty interesting how different locations, you know, sell different amounts. I mean, we come into that with different locations where our products are at and we think we know how much is going to sell and um, it's just a different. Like a really hot one or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, they, you know, don't buy too many of these because they're not going to sell. Exactly. Because, you know, this one's our best seller and then yeah, you're like, hey, I need like 20 more cases of those hot ones. Because, <laughs> yeah, and, and, we, and we really figured that out early on too, that you can literally be like 20 minutes away and your customer base is different. And Definitely. Like say like a Louis up in Cumberland, right? Yeah. They've got the blood sausage and the head cheese and the sauce and, <laughs> you know, all these, you know, liver sausages and all these different things, and they sell the heck out of it. We, if we had blood sausage or, you know, any of that stuff, It'd be in the freezer or the garbage can every single week because yep. you would, you have like two customers that want it, mm. and people just don't know about it, right? Or it's just not the thing in the yeah. Some area. some stuff is um, you know, like like Ludafisk or something, you know, yeah. for the holidays. <laughs> like we bought a you know we the first year we bought some in and we got stuck with most of it and I, <laughs> and and. I told Dan, I said, you know, if you order that again next year, I said, you got to eat whatever's left. <laughs> you learn your lesson. <laughs> and, and, you know, he laughed. And, and then, you know, but then you got, you take the next place, they could, they'll sell a thousand pounds of it right. because they have that ethnic group or whatever. And, and then they're known for it or, you know. Right. So what, so what are some of the big sellers in this area? Um, well, Snack Sticks is like a monster for us. I mean. It just is an absolute monster, and it wasn't something that we predicted. Um, Your snack sticks are good, though. They are. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. If you wouldn't have made them that good, yeah. you wouldn't be selling as many. Yeah, and bacon is another one. I mean, we literally sell because we have the flavors, you know, mm-hmm. where you don't typically find anything outside of a a, a, a regular plain bacon or, a, you know, an apple bacon or maybe a pepper bacon. And then we have the, you know, like raspberry chipotle and – and blackberry pepper and mm-hmm. jalapeno and so you know we sell we sell about 600 pounds of bacon every like 10 days Jeez. <laughs> so a lot of eggs yeah <laughs> yep i mean I, I could probably come close to eating that much bacon too so with those bacon recipes were those recipes you had previous to starting this or that r&d that you're doing constantly yep yep we didn't no we don't we weren't doing anything with all those flavors and anything and then our seasoning company um we're very fortunate. Um, uh, Rick McClymans was a, our sales guy, and he had owned his own butcher shop for 25 years in the southwest part of the state. And uh, that was, I mean, his his knowledge of the industry and in that was a monster yeah. for us. And, you know, and then we did stuff like, because we didn't have a, a flavor profile, we could do anything we wanted, right? right? So if you're a shop, you know, with different trends and gluten-free and msg and you know these things right so if you're a shop that's been around for 50 years and you've been making these hot dogs for 50 years and they've had msg in them you can't just stop doing it no <laughs> because the, your customers are going to be like what the hell did you do what did you do to hot dogs yeah right they're different so we were very fortunate that you know rick suggested that to us in the beginning he's like hey you know what he's like 
I think a really good idea is, and he's like, go MSG free. And I'm like, great, I'm all for it. And then, you know, we make two, I think we have like, I don't know, 230 formulas now or something like that, uh, you know, approved with the state. Wow. And like 210 of them are gluten-free besides, yeah. you know. And so that's another market that you're, that you're after. And customers, I think nowadays are really, really concerned about different things, where their product comes from, what's in their products. And, and I'm not saying we're, you know, perfectly squeaky clean with every formula that we have that, you know, doesn't have some type of a, uh, a preservative or, or nitrite or something in it, you know I mean? But we do the best we can with the market we have, right? right? Because you could go try to go all full-blown organic, grass-fed, all these things, and we would have been out of business already. You're in Altoona. You're, you're not going to make it in that market. You're, you're, not, just, you're just not. Not with our population. No, nope. I agree with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back. Everybody has challenges and, and, and problems when they first start their business. And I'm, I'm going to assume you had challenges as well. I mean, you, you had your guy. You found your building. It seemed like everything really fell into place for you. <laughs> but <laughs> there's the laugh. <laughs> what problems did you run into? Well, the biggest thing was uh, some regulatory stuff with between the county and the state. And, um, you know, if I had known some things that I know now, uh, we would have been able to do some things a little differently. Um, you know, the, the county wanted us to do some certain things that we probably didn't really have to do that we could have fought them on um, if, we had, if we had known better. And then the same with the state. The state made us put some extra sets of doors in and, and, and by our packaging area that – there's nothing in the really in the rule book that justifies that. And those things delayed us big time, like had to wait for the, the doors and wait for materials and parts and different things. And then because our initial plan was to open in the spring of 14 and we didn't get to open until October 28th. Oh, wow. OK. So we were about six months off off of our our opening, which, you know, I look back. And, and I make jokes about it now, but there was days where, you know, I mean, I looked in the mirror and just said, what the hell did I do to myself? You know, like what, why, why did I do this? I could have stayed in my office down on Barstow street <laughs> selling, you know, uh, you know, discontinued products and whatever, and had a pretty simple life. And like, literally like, what did you do? You know? Well, you got six months that you're not open, so you have no revenue, mm -hmm. but yet you're putting money out. And I'm sure you had people coming after you for money at that point already. Well, Everything, you know, your, all your stuff you've bought, equipment, uh, you know, so you're right. I'm just writing checks, writing checks, writing checks. You know, I got Dan on payroll because mm -hmm. uh, I can't expect him to not have a job. Um, yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of days that, that it, was, it was rough, you know, to go. It was just really a bad move, you know. And once we finally opened, so Kara and I, you know, she had started our Facebook page up, right? And it really got a lot of traction right away. And that was back when Facebook was really free and they really didn't care. Like they were really pushing stuff out for mm -hmm. you, you know, so lots of people were seeing it. Right. So we like almost immediately had with, had a thousand followers on Facebook. Right. Real fast. And it's like, Holy smokes. You're like, that's crazy. Right. Yeah. And you know, and I looked around at other businesses, some businesses have been open for years and they, you know, 142 follower, you know, you know, 280. And you're like, how the heck did we get a thousand, you know? Right. Well, the buzz that he was talking about earlier, um, I think partially that delay helped us because it,
kind of created a little oh, bit more okay. of that. Like, I thought you were opening. When are you opening? And, it, you know, I started this, you know, uh, dialogue on there back and forth about, and then it's like, well, we're trying, we're doing this, we're doing that, you know. So the first day we said, okay, let's kind of friends and family, like, open up at like three in the afternoon for like three to six or whatever. Like you would soft open a restaurant. Right, yep. right. Let's okay. try that. Well, that turned into like 78 people or something. Oh my and God. it's like, holy, you know. <laughs> then on Facebook, you start, because people drive them by, right? Mm-hmm. Now they see people. All of a sudden on Facebook, it's, hey, are you guys open? Are you open? And Kara's like, what should I? I'm like, don't, don't respond. Like, just don't say nothing. Because I was like scared to death. Like, <laughs> if we got cracked like that, the first, you know, half a day we're supposed to be open. <laughs> so the funny part is, so we waited. So then the next day, right, with no, we didn't have a, a open sign. We didn't say anything on Facebook. We had like 100 and something customers the next day. And it's like, wow. Well, by the third day, we were getting so blown up on Facebook about if we were open or not. I finally like, all right, tell them we're open. You know? yeah. <laughs> well, then, you know, the floodgates just opened up, and, and, and then it's just been amazing ever since. It really, it really has. I, I, I really do feel so fortunate that the community has got behind us so strongly and, um, you know, and I got a great crew. I mean, I've, I've never been able to do it without them, you know, and it's been really all those times that I looked in the mirror and said, you know, are you nuts or whatever? And what do you do? Now I look back and go, you must be some kind of genius. <laughs> no regrets I knew, now. I knew all along this was going to work. <laughs> yeah. I knew it. Well, and I can tell you this much is nobody, nobody believed in us. No, I mean, no. me and Dan both. I mean, I don't think there's a person out there who didn't say that we were crazy, you know. And then they're like, that location and, you know, on and on and on about how bad of an idea it was, right? Mm-hmm. And well, I had done. That's something, too, that uh, Jim and uh, you brought up and other guests have as well. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you quickly got to find who the supporters are yeah. and who are those people that maybe don't really want you to succeed. No. Yeah, and I don't know if it's even so much that they don't want you to. They just... They just don't think it's going to, you know, because they they're, can't fathom they, it. Yeah, they can't fathom it. Right. And I, what's really, what's really great now is when somebody comes up to me and they're like, man, I thought you had to have been out of your mind. <laughs> and they're like, now look, they're like, look at this place. And I'm like, yeah. I said, well, I, I had my doubts too, but I said, obviously I wouldn't have done it if I didn't think it was going to work. And now did I think it was going to go as good as it did? right out of the gate and think we were going to be where we are this this quickly nope i mean i didn't i mean i nobody could have predicted and nobody could have predicted 2020 no um which you know obviously it's you know horrible for the a lot of industries restaurants and bars and things like that um you know other small businesses with you know hair cutting and nail salons and things that were shut down but on the flip side of that other businesses got to benefit like you mean you guys too and and us and the other retailers and it's just unfortunate that, you know, that that that's happened or whatever. But, you know, yeah, 2020 was a tough it was a tough year to get through. And I, I feel like everybody thought as soon as it turned 2021 that all of it was just going to stop. Yeah, poof, okay, poof, better. It's all done. <laughs> well, it's, it's not. We still have some we have some working to get through and stuff to to get through. Um, when when you look at your business, did you have an idea? Did you want to? open a second one, open a third one, find other locations, just figure out a way, hey, you do have a ceiling in your work. Yeah. You can't expand any bigger than that building is. Right. Right? 
Pretty much, yep. And so, yes and no. Part of the part of one of my big challenges was trying to come up with a name for the for the shop, right? And I didn't want it to be like El Tuna Meat Market. I mean, and nothing against somebody who has the name of their town on whatever. But I was looking at like a brandable name. Mm-hmm. And so I look at some other shops, and I I won't mention any names because I don't want them to take it the wrong way. Some shops that have been around for a, a long, long, long time, and they have they're an unbelievable household name, right? But like Chip Magnet, that's that's brandable, man. I mean, that's <laughs> an amazing name. It's an amazing, amazing name that it's not, you know, Jim's Salsa. Right. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's just that Chip Magnet sells. Jim's right. Salsa doesn't really jump off the shelf at you, right? Exactly. And so, you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm trying to think of something and, you know, and then I'm thinking, well, maybe I could just like, you know, I'm thinking like all these German, you know, German, you know, big, long German names or whatever that, <laughs> you know, and I thought, well, I do that. Like next thing somebody will be suing me from that, a family or something, no you know, kidding. and, and you got to do the outside of your store different with <laughs> all the white painting and stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. So then I was, I was just laying in bed and all of a sudden I'm just like, so my stepdad, John, who was the one who got me into making sausage in the first place as a teenager, his last name is Rum Portal. He's a bohemian guy. And his nickname was Rump. And all of a sudden, it just popped in my head, Rumps. And I'm like, it's got kind of a double meaning, you know, like Rump Roast. And, yep. and then uh, Rumps, and it's a good, uh, you know, it's a good uh, uh, prop for him because, he, you know, he, he helped me with that. And, and uh, so I'm not the original Rumps. It's John, you know. And, uh, and so that's how the name came up. And, huh. and, and I had looked at that, maybe branding it. And, 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 you know, of course, we do some wholesale business, um, to, to Woodman's and, and, and Weaver's and a few other places. And I, I think the brand is scalable, just our production isn't. Okay. So um, I've been kicking this around now for a couple of years on if, if and when I should do something. And, you know, there's, there's ways. I mean, there's, there's co-packers out there that I could do, you know, like a non-disclosure, no compete. Right. Give them my, brand, my formula and everything and have them make the product and then, just like you could, like if you outgrow right. this space, if you wanted to, you could be like, okay, I'm having, you know, whoever makes paste pecani sauce, mm-hmm. you know, billion jars, you know, I'll have them do it. And then I'll be, you know, shipping it to, you know, all over the world or whatever. Right. And we're almost out of time here, but before we run out, I want to ask you, since again, you're around uh, a lot of meat uh, <laughs> every single day, we could have a whole show on, uh, on meats and cooking techniques, but if you could recommend one meat and or cooking technique that people aren't doing enough or aren't eating enough in this area and they're missing out, what would that be? Well, I mean, steaks, I mean, beef steak is amazing, right? And there's a million ways you could grill it, fry it, broil it, whatever. Um, and depending on what cut you actually like, like me, I'm a ribeye guy. I like ribeyes. The fat in there is where all the flavor's at. You but you could be a New York strip person or you know, T-bones or whatever. There's a method called reverse searing. I believe is the best way to possibly you can make a steak. So you put it in the oven at 225 degrees for about 30 minutes. Pull it out of there and get a hot steel pan or a cast iron pan. Put a little like avocado oil because it's got a high smoke point. Sear that thing off. Put a little butter and garlic in there. A couple minutes on each side. I mean, you can't even get them that good at a restaurant. No, you can that's do my it. method. That's, that's the best. That's mine Easy. too. <laughs> yep. And then some of the lesser cuts too. Um, people don't, I mean, pork, pork is another, I mean, 
A lot of times people outlook pork, you know, or they well, overlook they it. And they not only overlook, but overcook. Pork, yep. people don't understand that. Pork can be cooked to a medium rare, and it's going to be better. 145 is the furthest you got to go. And chicken breast is another one. Oh, I don't like chicken breast. It's dry. Yeah, because well, you're yeah, cooking cook 190. The, yeah, because <laughs> you're cooking 190. You know, one, 165 on a chicken breast, and, and then that chicken breast will be just as juicy as a chicken thigh. Exactly. And it's all about know, how you cook it. Exactly. Well, and, and, and of course, you know, as we say, chip magnet salsa, if you don't see the logo at the star, keep it out of the shopping cart. I like that <laughs> tagline. You could always pair these meats with, with any one of your guys' fine products, right? And we do. We, we, yeah. We've uh, brought our Facebooks together and, and started figuring out rump supplies a protein. Uh, we supply the recipe. Um, I know Lex has been working on that, getting it out there so that the people on the social media, whether they like our page or whether they like Rump's page, so that we can work together. I mean, we're still two small businesses within the same town that have to work together. You can find all of our products right at Rump's. So if you wanted to pick up Chip Magnet plus the protein that you saw in there, you just go there and you get them both together. Now, this is the last thing I want to talk about. It took us a while to get to your, your location. Why? <laughs> um, you told us no so many times, Bob. <laughs> well, a, cu- a couple of a couple of things that happened with that, and I remember because Nick 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 was the one who come trying to sell. Yeah. Oh you know? yeah, and so early on there, the pricing, and yep. we had tried a couple things, right? A couple of local small batch things like that, and it, it and it didn't go well, and so I just didn't think it would work, right? So. A f- you know, after several years went by and I, and I tried a couple other local ones, you know, before that. Yep. Um, and, and then I just started buying some run of the mill, whatever salsa, cause we could sell it for like three ninety nine a jar and make a few pennies on it and call it good. Right. Right. Well, at the time, and you guys were smaller, so your costs were more, yep. the price was higher, higher and Mine all that. Volume goes up, cost uh, goes down. Exactly. And so then, um, out of the blue and we had done some stuff with the, with the food, the food truck yeah. Friday together and whatever. And thought more about it and ends up we get the we get some pricing on it again new pricing and we decide to go with it and you know not to not to like brown nose or anything but you know we've sold more salsa now in the last couple of months than we've sold in the last you know four four years <laughs> so <You're> welcome <laughs> so um it's been really and thank you <laughs> yeah it's been really it's been really good um good. you know customers like to see that uh we like that i mean i i buy i don't know at least a couple of jars a week. Um, the cooking with it, the salsa verde and then the, gar- yeah. the garlicious. Talking about those chicken breasts, brown up a couple of chicken breasts and then dump a jar of each of those, the salsa verde and the garlicious in there and braise it off till it falls apart and make some tacos out of that and see if, you, see if you're going to do it a different way. <laughs> That's good stuff. I haven't tried that. I haven't mixed the red and the green together. Huh. It's real good. I well, bet. I'm going to have to try that. It does sound good. Well, there you go. It Jim does. and Nick, you you you. You worked him down is what we did. <laughs> we did. We, we worked <laughs> yep. him down. He gave us a recipe. Now I got to put it together and cook that chicken breast down. We've always done that with uh, um, mango habanero. That would be the one that, you know, and I know that's your favorite, mm-hmm. Scott. So we would just cook the chicken breast down, put the mango habanero in it, and just let it break it up. And you, it was hard. But you got a sweet side to that where you don't have a sweet here. Mm-hmm. I can see that as being being very good. Well, Bob, thank you. Thank you so much for coming out. We appreciate it. Um if uh, if you could say one thing to your customers before you get off here, that anybody that we're listening, what would be that one thing you would say to your customers? 
Well, I'm just very appreciative, you know, that I, I know there's so many options, you know, in, in the area that they could go for product. And I'm just very appreciative that they come to us and they give us a chance and that, that they continually support us and, and uh, that they allow us to be part of their family traditions and things. That, that's one thing that is pretty incredible that you have every Thanksgiving, every Easter, every Christmas, every New Year's, whatever the holiday may be. And those customers, when, they're, when they bring family in from out of town, that's probably one of the most complimentary things there is. Like, oh, you got to go to Rump's, right? Yep. When they bring their families here from, you know, California or Illinois or whatever, and they, like, they bring them down there. And then, and then that, that family member's like, oh, they said we had to come here. And they're like, oh, what an amazing place. <laughs> I wish we had a place like this where, where we live, you know. And, I mean, Brandable. <laughs> and, it's, and, and that's one of those things where it's like that really, really means a lot, you know. It really does. It has to feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bob, thank you very much. Thank and, you, guys. And, of course, Chip Magnet, guys, thank you very much as well. Thank you. Now I'll do it for this installment of Chip Chap, presented by Chip Magnet Salsa.